Hey everyone, my name is John Hendricks and today uh, I'm going to introduce you to my second podcast and the first of my series of talking to teachers about what they do, um, their interests and passions, about their, their life as education, educators and their life going through education and how that shapes how they teach and what they do in their classrooms. Uh, today, I'm very lucky to be um, beside uh, James Waller, an ICT specialist at my school, also a mentor in the for past year. And uh, I'm hoping to ask him questions about his upbringing and how he teaches uh, to better understand maybe his philosophy um, of how to teach. Say hi, James. Hey, how's it going? Uh, first, before we get started, I just want to say congratulations on the new podcast. Um, I listened to your first episode I thought it was awesome to hear about your experiences with volunteering. Really inspirational story. Um, and I think that's something that we could use a little bit more of in the education community. So a, a valuable contribution uh, to the podcasting world. And I look forward to hearing your future episodes. Oh, thank you so much, James. Okay, so my first question. James, what was education like for you as a kid? Uh, well, um, I... <laughs> I grew up with uh, ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder, so education for me was kind of a mixed bag. Um, my parents are both teachers, which ended up working out to my advantage because uh, they kind of understood what was going on with me. Um, I was uh, highly intelligent, or so they said. I always scored really highly on standardized tests. Um, I went to a, a special school uh, for gifted students, uh, which was, was, again, sort of a mixed bag. Um, but I went between having immense uh, academic success and also being put on uh, teachers' lists for students of concern because of uh, my energy and sometimes my behavior and my lack of ability to sit and focus for extended periods of time. So um, my education growing up was what I would call a mixed bag. Okay, interesting. So you, uh, that's, it's really interesting. So... Um, your experience, and we can open a, I hope we're open about sharing this, um, your experience with having ADD, your experience with doing so well on standardized testing and uh, doing so well, um, do you believe in standardized testing? Do you believe that standardized testing has a place? And what do you feel about those kids who don't do well on standardized tests? Well, um, I mean, you've kind of put it in a leading way, sorry, sorry. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you uh, my, my real thoughts on it are, um, you know, in the Ontario system, which is w what we work in, uh, of course, there are standardized tests at a few different levels. And um, I, on the one hand, I kind of understand um, the necessity to kind of get a, a look at how students are doing around the country and have some sort of metric uh, to measure uh, student success and the effectiveness of the education system that they're in. I understand the need for that. Um, my concerns with standardized testing, uh, for the most part, come with the fact that th I don't feel like it always uh, represents everybody in the classroom. There are things that are, you know, uh, more advantageous for students, whether it's their uh, socioeconomic status or their race or their gender. I mean, it's just a matter of fact that there are going to be certain types of questions that benefit certain groups of students over others. And because of that, I think it's, it's very hard to get an accurate look at the progress of students from where they started at the beginning of a year to what they've learned, what they've accomplished, and how they've grown by the end of the year 
only through looking at standardized tests. So while I understand the organizational need and the benefit of having them, I do have some concerns for using them as the only metric for looking at the effectiveness of a teacher, of a program, or of a student's growth. Wow, uh, that was a very uh, strong, a very political, politically correct answer, James. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that. But my question is, is what would you say to the people who say standardized testing should go the way of the fax machine? and just disappear. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I, I don't totally disagree with that. And I'm, I'm open to the idea of, of abandoning standardized testing if, if we're able to find a viable replacement uh, so that those things that I outlined as being, you know, major benefits of standardized testing, being able to look at the effectiveness of a program, being able to look at the growth of students as a whole, um, being able to evaluate institutions and find areas for them to improve and to grow, those things are important. And I think the idea, uh, hopefully, the idea behind standardized testing is improving student success. I would hope that that's the intention behind it. And if that's the case, um, I mean, I don't think it's the ultimate in doing that. I think there are ways... Uh, to drop standardized testing completely, let it go, as some would say, the way of the fax machine. Um, but of course, we would need a viable replacement for it and something that's maybe a little more representative of our diverse global student populations. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Now, let's talk about your, if you don't mind, let's talk about ADD and growing up with ADD. Did you, do you consider yourself, did that, knowing that you had ADD as a kid, and knowing that it affects you uh, even probably as an adult now, um, does that, how did that shape the way you view education? Um, and do you see that, uh, how would other kids who have learning disabilities or kids who don't have learning disabilities, what did you think of those people or what did, yeah, let's hear your opinions. Um, so for me, the, the biggest challenge of it was, I mean, when you're young, um, I was diagnosed with it early, like probably grade four, grade five. So I was probably under 10 years old when I was diagnosed with it. Um, it wasn't so much me recognizing the challenges of having ADD that came later in life, probably around university. It was more of the way teachers reacted to me. And when you're that young, you don't understand the difference between you know, having a natural difficulty in being able to pay attention and follow instructions that you're maybe not quite engaged with and just not being um, a strong enough student to um, apply yourself at the highest level. That was the toughest part. So a lot of it, I kind of, when I would get in trouble, um, you know, I wasn't a particularly bad kid. I wasn't trying to get in trouble. I was just really energetic and had a, a tough time focusing. And so when I would get in trouble and when teachers would have my parents in to talk about my behavior or my ability to, to um, pay attention and, and uh, achieve the level they thought I was capable of, I didn't see it um, as something separate from my intelligence or my abilities as a student and really as a person. And so when you, when you don't have the ability to see it for what it is, and separate it from all the great things that you're capable of, you internalize that and you take it on yourself and you put yourself down. And as a result, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's not conducive to pushing yourself 
to fulfill your potential. So for me, there were certain teachers along the way that were supportive and encouraging, and I've tried to be more in that realm as a teacher in my own practice. But uh, there were other teachers that were, you know, probably rightfully frustrated with me and, and kind of wrote me off or put me down or, or uh, framed uh, my challenges in a way that uh, I felt reflected on me as a person. And that was tough as a kid. Wow. Um, very intellectual uh, responses. Uh, I've just been blown away by what you've been saying. Uh, now here comes the big question. Uh, how do all of these experiences as a kid, um, these experiences doing well as standardized testing, these experience having some teachers who kind of pushed you down a bit, how does that shape the teacher that you are right now? Well, I think all of us, all of us that are in education are here because of experiences we've had both positive and negative, right? And so I think the, the things that are positive, I have, I've had many teachers that have believed in me and have been supportive of me and have helped shape my self-worth and self-confidence. And that's really genuinely meant a lot to me over my life. And then on the flip side of that is I've had teachers that have you know, flat out called me names and, and yelled at me and screamed at me and made me sit on the floor and embarrassed me in, in front of other students, other friends. I've, when I went to a new school, I've, I've been embarrassed in front of a group of kids I didn't even know. And so I know how I don't want to make kids feel. So, I mean, uh, just like any educator, I think my personal experiences, especially the ones that have resonated with me emotionally, for better and for worse, have have pushed me to how I want to treat kids and how I definitely don't want to treat kids, even on my worst day. So the, for the listeners out there, what I find the most interesting, one of the things that he's mentioned was the word emotional. And if uh, I know James and uh, I've worked with James and, uh, you know, one of the things that he does is he does care about that emotional piece that caring about what the kids are feeling, how the kids are uh, doing. And uh, when we look at 21st century learning practices, we look at the development of not just test scores and the cognitive skills, but we also look at those intra and interpersonal skills. Something that, uh, well, I personally, James, I think you are ex do exceptionally well at. Um, now for the last question. Now that you've kind of opened up, and thank you for sharing all that, and you've kind of talked about how it shapes your practice, um, how, where does your practice have to go? Where do you want to go as a teacher? What could you improve on? Um, is there certain styles of teaching you would like to try? Um, yeah. Um, well, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we're, uh, we're both uh, working as ICT educational specialists at an international school in Hong Kong. I think both of us uh, have a genuine passion and an interest in innovation. Um, just one thing that kind of links all of this conversation together is the fact that we're heavily into design and maker culture and STEAM and allowing students to do hands-on learning where they can actually design and create things. Um, and there's one uh, model, the Stanford D School model, which is a design process model. Um, and I think it's really, really interesting to note that step one of the D School model is to empathize. And so we have to start framing uh, the problems that we pose to our students as real problems that affect the world and that our students are genuinely empowered and have the tools to be able to solve them and come up with solutions that are valuable. 
And I think we both really believe that. And so to have empathize being the first step in that process, it means we want our students to engage emotionally because that can be a very powerful thing. You have, as I mentioned at the start of this, um, a, a strong passion for volunteering and helping people that are less fortunate in your community. And that's something that shows throughout your lesson design, your project design, and the way that your kids have been designing as a result. And so when we come from that place, that starting point of empathy, of looking at problems that we feel an emotional connection to, that we feel need to be solved, and we believe that we're capable of solving that as teachers and as students, we can make some really innovative and important stuff happen. And that's where I want my career to go as an educator. Wow. Uh, thank you so much, James, for uh, sharing, coming in today and sharing your ideas. Uh, to anyone else who's uh, watching this, uh, thank you so much for listening to this, not watching it. Uh, thank you so much for listening it. And uh, please uh, stay tuned to other podcasts where I will be talking to different teachers and about how the other different teachers and how uh, background has shaped how they teach and what they hope, edu- how, where they hope education will go into the future. Thank you very much, James. Glad to be here.